You know it's funny. People on the outside don't really get what's going on. But they always got something to say. <laughs> yeah. What's going on, folks? This is Daryl, your host of Narratives Over Wine and Whiskey podcast, where we discuss issues that impact black and millennial communities while having a good drink. So today I have um, one of my good friends, fraternity brother, yes, sir. Uh, big brother, George Achenpong, on the show with me. Um, I'll kick it off how I usually do with the, the drink of choice today. So we've got Eagle Rare, very, very diff- difficult bourbon to find in North Carolina. Um, so you, we talked about Buffalo Trace before. Yeah. They don't stock it much here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so made by the same people. I said, this will be good for George because... Yeah. If y'all don't know George, he is uh, very financially astute and, and <laughs> likes nice things, doesn't believe in paying a full price if he doesn't have to. Yes, indeed. And so you got a, a Buffalo Trace quality bourbon, um, a little bit more oaky, but but still great bourbon for, you know, maybe two thirds of the price. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Buffalo Trace. It's smooth, man. Yeah. yeah. Y'all, y'all need to write me a check for this. <laughs> Cheers, well, man. Thanks for the... For the glass and uh having me on the show and coming down to the queen city yeah man uh to connect man it's good to see you bro great to see you so um george is a you know traditionally called financial advisor um you know helps you manage your money wealth consultant but this guy does a lot (laughs) he he is first and foremost a man of god like i will never discount that um you know that's that's the thing that i see shine from him the most and he uses that passion and that, that Christ's likeness in him to then move in fields that you might not think of a financial advisor moving in, uh, from you know for-profit consulting to non-profit consulting to fashion. I mean, he he, he does it all. Um, great guy, um, awesome husband, uh, great brother, and. Someone who I would seriously trust with the keys to my life and know that I wouldn't have to think twice. Um, so I appreciate that. He's been in you know a ton of publications. Um, you know you, you'll see him as Forbes George a lot of times, <laughs> but more than Forbes, you know, just I just picked that one because had a ring to it. It, it, it <laughs> had a ring, and I mean across the world, if you say Forbes, right, right, right. I, I got to get to where you are, man. One you know day. what's funny, man? Well, thank you for the gracious introduction, man. But you know what's funny is. The, even the nickname GA, like, I, so growing up, I always wanted a nickname. Yeah. Always. Like, it's George, right? Yeah. Like, George is a boring-ass name. Um, and I always wanted a nickname. And so, like, I think, I think it was, like, freshman year, I tried to, like, push it right just before you got there. I tried, like, GA, GA. It was like, oh, okay, George. And it wasn't until I crossed that GA. And actually, he was the first one to actually, one of the first people to actually, like, make it stick and actually use my freaking nickname. <laughs> and um, ever since, I was like, man, finally people are using my nickname. And so, um, so now nah, it's just, it's cool, man. I'm just very fortunate to be on the show. Very fortunate to be connected to you. Um, I know that we're in the same fraternity, but like, you know, they say every, every bro ain't your brother. Yeah. Um, and you've been a consistent pillar um, in my life. So I appreciate you, man. Yeah. Fortunate to be on the show. I, um, I think back to what, I came into to UNCG 2006, or so a year after you, mm-hmm. and we were both in BBSA. Yeah. You know, great, great time. So the first semester, we were, we were you know, I was like, oh, you know, this guy's pretty, pretty well connected on campus. <laughs> um, BBSA, for those who don't know, are, is the Black Business Students Association, mm-hmm. great organization at UNCG. Really, really gave me a look at what it meant to be a black leader on campus. Uh, quick shout out to Tia Wiggins. Oh, yeah, Tia. Um, what up, Tia? <laughs> but yeah, so... Um, I remember seeing you at the BBSA meetings and then, you know, the next semester you, you know, you transition into another leadership role on campus as a brother of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, mm-hmm. which since I was a kid, I was like, my whole family of Kappas, you know, I yeah. had a bunch of Kappas in my family, I was like, mm, not my thing. So, um, I knew I wanted to be an Alpha and I said, well, this guy who's already doing stuff I like on campus mm-hmm. is also aligned with, with this organization. Yeah. And it just uh, just so happened that I was afforded the opportunity afterward, and very grateful for it. Yeah, and as a quick aside to that, I think that's how that's why representation is so important, right? Because I didn't know anybody really like. No, I'm the first like to my knowledge, the first Greek person in my family, right? So when I saw the alphas on campus, I didn't associate it with like, oh, I want to be an alpha because I've always wanted to be an alpha. 
it was more so like because of what they were doing and how they were showing up that resonated with me i didn't know what title they had I was like that looks like some stuff i want to do and as a result of that that's what i pursued and so i think it's just you know as of this recording within hours we found out about uh the election and one of the things i've always said is i'm very excited i, I wish there was like a case study to follow the kids who were born or were you know very young where barack obama was their first president because from a, from a representation standpoint, you're born with the limitless mentality because the first person that you see is holds the highest office in the land, right? And so I just wanted to go that take that quick aside because it's so important to have representation in spaces, and that's why we keep preaching that, right? There is the reason why you know white kids, you know, our Caucasian counterparts uh, are fearless, right? It's because they they've never seen any position that they want at the highest level that isn't obtained by them. Right. And so I just think I just, it just made me think about that. Like when you see someone that looks like you, that's doing the things that you want to do, it just empowers you to be able to say that I can do this, too. I was um, just talking to Devin Smith, another one of our fraternity brothers, about that, um, because we were talking about how Trump said he's done more for the black community than any any right. president before. Right. And Devin said, <laughs> and no offense to Barack Obama because he didn't do this, thankfully. But Devin said he could have sat in the white in the Oval Office and smoked blunts all day, and he would have done more than Trump did because he provided black kids with opportunity to see themselves at the highest level in the nation. And that's and that's the same thing I always yeah. say. At the end yeah. of the day, if he, if he did nothing else, yeah. right, that is more valuable than you can imagine. Right? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, thankfully, he um he did much more than that. Mm -hmm. And so so yeah, representation is, is huge. And being on a predominantly white institution right. and seeing you know you the other the other brothers of the fraternity doing the work. That needed to be done not only to run the campus socially but also um, politically and academically. I was like, oh, this is a good chapter to be a part of. You know, could have been a grad chapter, but uh, made the the right decision. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah. Shout out to two the weekends, grad brothers. Two weekends. Two weekends. Um, so, like I said, you know, you're, you're Forbes George online, and you got uh, you've developed a, a wonderful brand, man. I really. Do you see, you see, by, you see yourself back there. What's up, man? See, I'm not a big pictures guy, but look, but you, look, if you look around, nobody else made the office cut, right? Okay, you saw it, buddy. Oh, yeah. that's what's up. <laughs> so, <laughs> I had the opportunity to give um, George an alumni, or yeah, an alumni um, recognition award at UNCG. Uh, I sit on the board of the Bryan School, and was very fortunate to actually that they, they were voting for who was going to win uh, alumni awards. I was on the committee. Once again, representation. <laughs> they were mispronouncing your name in the meeting, right? Um, because there wasn't the, uh, in my opinion, a lot of times the effort to properly pronounce it. Mm -hmm. um, they didn't know much more than what whomever submitted your name put in there. And I, mm -hmm. I was at the table. And I said, "Nah, this, 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 and this are happening." Yeah. He would be a great addition to this, um, to this Hall of Fame, for for lack of a better term. Yeah. Being in the rooms allow us to make the decisions that put us at the forefront of, of conversations. Um, so, so yeah, that was that was an honor for me to be there because otherwise, you know, they would have said, "Oh, you know, he has a nonprofit called because they put it." They actually it said Melanin Money was was it? And they you got you know UNCG is a historically women's institution, predominantly white institution. Mm -hmm. So in the room there were a lot of older white women. They didn't understand, right. and so I made sure that they understood it's bigger than this, right. but it is right. this as well. Right, exactly, exactly. It's all encompassing. So I mean, that, that's I'm I'm glad I'm in the office, man. That's what's up. <laughs> Feel famous now. When they do the documentary on you, you know. absolutely, absolutely. Man. Um, so yeah, everybody knows you as Forbes George, but you know, other than making people wealthier, um, what do you do? It's a great question, man. Um, you know, I, I always like to give this analogy because when some, when people connect with me, they always think it is about money, right? It's like, which I, I do a pretty good job of, right? <laughs> and helping people manage and, and maximize their money and make it to Side Hustle Boot Camp. Shout out Side Hustle Boot Camp. <laughs> but, um, you know, in 2011, I was, uh, I was at this conference and the lady said, uh, this year over a billion drill bits will be sold. And we all know what drill bits are, unless you're like super unhandy. Um, and then she said, but of all the billion drill bits that were sold, nobody actually wants the drill bits. And I was like, okay, well, follow the flow. And then she went on to say, let's just assume that the drill bits were used to hang up artwork and pictures and homes and office parts all over the country. 
Uh, no one actually wanted the pictures either. They wanted the feeling that they got when they walked in the room where the picture was being hung. And so that stuck with me. And it stuck with me because that is essentially how, how it is in financial planning too, right? You don't care about having a million dollars in the bank. You don't care if it's a Roth IRA, a 401k. You don't care about any of that. What you care about is in your mind, you painted this picture of what freedom, fulfillment, happiness looks like. And you believe that the financial resources are going to allow you to be able to do those things, right? And so I help people identify and get clarity on what their ideal life looks like. Right. And then the reason we just use money as the resource to fuel that journey. If you listen to my podcast, money is like gas on a road trip. Right. Yep. You got to hear it every yep. day. Right. It just it fuels your journey. And that's that's what I do. I help people identify their journey, their wealthy journey, what that looks like. And then we just simply use the money to align to that journey, because I feel like you have to articulate what you want. And once you articulate what you want, then you can align where you want it to go. And ultimately, you accomplish the goals that you want to achieve in life. So that's my real main mission. So if you had to sum it up, and there's a lot of hats that I wear, but my real goal is to help people align their financial resources with what their ideal life looks like most, right? And that looks different for everybody. I'm glad you said that. Like the articulation part of things and where you come in is then you hold people accountable to what they need to do. Um, right. that, that's huge. I think about, I don't know if you, you saw the other day, though, I, um, Joel Hargett started a 100-mile journey. He went mm-hmm. through 100 miles this month. And earlier this, uh, probably two weeks ago, I texted Dozier. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yo, man, I'm going to run 100 miles in November because I've never done it before. Yeah. And then I knew Doze wasn't going to keep me hold me accountable. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, no, who, who am I doing this with? Yeah. And then it was just divine. Joel hit me up and he was like, yo, I know you run. I'm trying to do 100 miles. You trying to do it too? Yeah. And I'm like, yo, I've got somebody. It's been articulated. Right. And now I have the accountability partner. And that's, right. that's what you really help people do. Right. You say, yo. Don't BS me. You said you wanted to do this with your money. You said you wanted to retire now. How do we get there? Facts. And, and oh, you're not doing what you need to. All right, I'm not, I'm not going to bash you on it, mm-hmm. but do you really want to get there or do you just want to talk about being there? Exactly. You want to look like you got there. And and that's, what, that's, that's what a lot of people want to do. They yeah. want to look like they've got there, but don't want to actually do the work to get there. Yeah. Um, what made you get into the field of financial advising? Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, so... I guess taking it back, so there's probably probably two two reasons, right? So if I go all the way back, uh, when I was a little kid, um, I remember like it was yesterday, when the first PS One came out. So I'm telling my age a little bit. It's Christmas or before Christmas. I'm like telling my mom, like, yo, I gotta have this PS One, gotta have this PS One. I didn't say all the people called it PS One. It was the PS One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. They had the PS One after. Right, right. Because nobody knew that. So PlayStation, just the PlayStation. Right. I was like, I gotta have the PlayStation. And so she never said no. She's like, okay, cool, whatever, right? And so then, you know, months go by, Christmas rolls around, I see a box under the tree. I'm like, yo, the dimension's looking right on that thing. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, bet she done got, she moms came through, got the PlayStation. Christmas Day rolls around. I open the, open the box. It's definitely not a PlayStation. It's a box of tube socks, right? And so at that moment, of course, being young, I'm in elementary school at this point, I'm like, Yo, where's the PS3? I'm not making, I'm not connecting the dots that maybe there's a reason why I don't have the PS3, right? Like it's a financial thing. I'm, I'm a kid, right? right so right. all I know is I don't have the PS3, PS, the PlayStation. And um, so I didn't, I didn't make a huge think about it to her. But at that moment, subconsciously or consciously, something, something kind of dropped in my spirit, and it was like, okay, well, in life, it's like you want it. If you want it, you got to get it. You know what I'm saying? You got to get it yourself, right? At that point, my work ethic just went through the roof. Started washing cars with my uncle. Started saving any any money that I got from anything, and it got to a point where like my family members, when I was in elementary school, true story, you can ask my family members, they were borrowing money from me in elementary school, and I didn't even know what interest was. I just logically said, well, if I'm you know giving you a little bit of money, I should probably get more back whenever you return it. Um, and so that was kind of like the, the first start, right? It's just like you know knowing that I had to kind of do my do it myself, and I wanted to always have just some reserves to be able to get what I wanted. So it didn't start off as this grand like. I'm the super financial guru. It just was practical. Like, I did something that I wanted. I didn't get it. I'll, I never want to be in a position where I can't get what I want. So let me just get this money and then keep some money with me, right? So that's 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 elementary school. Fast forward to college. Um, it was freshman year. I had an internship with Coca-Cola. And uh, that was cool. My mom was about to get remarried. And I think she had asked me, she was like, so, you know, me and my husband joined in finance. I know you've always been a frugal kid. Like, can you help us, like, create a, she didn't say financial plan, but create something. I was like, sure. So I just wanted to do something that was logical. And so I got in my Excel bag. This is before, like, you had all these app, these automated apps and whatnot. 
got in my Excel bag, put together a little, a little financial presentation. And um, I had a buddy of mine who was interning at a financial services firm. And I was like, yo, can is this something like what y'all do? Can you give it a once over? And he was like, man, we don't do nothing like this. This is way better than what we do. I was like, what? I, again, I didn't think anything of it. I'm just thinking like, bet. Okay, cool. I'll share this with, uh, share this with my mom and then kind of left it at that. And so, but that kind of stuck out in my head. It's something to think about. Then fast forward to graduation. We all know we were in a recession at the time. And I had to explore the career opportunity of the marketing because the role I was supposed to have at Coca-Cola, they did away with. And I was like, well, I got to do something. So I had a double major in marketing economics. And I was like, I guess I'll try something in economics. Didn't quite know what that was going to translate to. And then I um, ended up pursuing some careers. Um, ended up pursuing some careers. And um, the rest is history. So that's essentially how I got in the industry back in 2000, end of 2010, 2011. And here we are. So, um, so who in your field do you look to for guidance? Like when you're like, yo, this person is doing things at the level that I want to get to next. You know, that's a really, really good question. Uh, I feel like our field is split up into two sectors. You have the practical financial educators, people who like just drop, you know, educational financial game. And then you have like the financial advisors, right, who have the technical acumen. But I feel like a lot of the folks who have the technical acumen are middle-aged white guys. And a lot of people who have the practical financial game that can really get people going are people of color. And I feel like I fit somewhere right in the middle, right, where I have that practicality, but I also have the credentials and expertise. Um, but if I had to look to anybody um, in this space... I don't know if I would say they do the same thing I do, but I, I like what they've been able to build. Robert Smith, somebody I, I like what he's been able to build. The way the way he does it is a little different than the way I do it, um, in the sense that he he's more of like venture capital, private equity. Uh, that's a path that I'm looking to pursue. Um, but look, just looking at someone who's done it at a high level in this field, he's definitely somebody. Another guy, um, Rashawn Williams. He's not as well known, but he's. He does a lot of private equity stuff for like athletes, has his own firm, venture capital firm. Just those are a couple of brothers I look to. Unfortunately, I have brothers to look to because um, it wasn't always the case. I don't look to Dave Ramsey. I uh, don't look to Susie Orman. Um, so, yeah, those are a couple that stand out. I had to pick anyone. Now I'm going to jump into the philanthropic side of you. Sure. So, Melanin Money, tell us about it. Yeah, man. Melanin Money, man. Uh, so, Melanin Money uh, really started off as this this mission um to help a hundred thousand people of color invest their first or next one thousand dollars um and you know me being a marketing guy marketing economics i was like how can i get that message out right uh i came out with an e-commerce brand purely to get the message out. i wasn't trying to like profit monetize it was just like this is gonna be walking billboards right uh it ended up kind of taking on its own identity and and we actually for the first time believe it or not launched it into 2017 i would say now we're about to drop this Black Friday is probably the first time where we're like going in our bag as like a a retail brand. Everything I've done to this part has been passive, like because people will know you'll know my foot's on the gas, right? <laughs> you, you'll you'll see in two weeks what what my foot on the gas looks like. But because it took on its own identity, we're now growing that. But back to your point, like what is it? What is it at its core? So um, being in this space, you don't see a lot of folks who have the advisory license who look like me right to say i have a registered investment advisory firm you can look me up on the sec website not many of us in that regard right and so because of that we talked about representation at the beginning of the episode uh you know i i knew that part of the reason why a lot of black people weren't building wealth outside of you know reasons beyond our control was a lack of representation it's like there's no one that looks like me who's telling me to do it and and has the continuity to make it happen for me right it's one thing to educate somebody like for example if i say daryl is a really good vegan restaurant. All you gotta do is go out the neighborhood, make a left, go three miles, make a U-turn, come back around, and then it'll be right there. You're gonna leave here, you're gonna be like, okay, yeah, that was cool, but I'm not going, right? Versus if I can walk you into that restaurant, there's a higher probability that you're gonna eat at that restaurant. And that's, that's the, the luxury that I get to do. I don't only get to educate people. If they wanna work with me, I get to walk them through the process of implementation. And so with Melon and Money, I was like, representation matters, and I was like, even though I have this firm and even though I mostly attract people of color, I need to have an initiative that's exclusively targeted towards people of color. And if you know anything about the wealth management space, helping people invest $1,000 is not profitable. It's not. Right. 
know what I'm saying? It's it's it literally is a passion of mine. So I always laugh if there's anyone that thinks like, oh, George is out here trying to flex for this or like get or or, or pillage the black community, whatever people think when they hate. And the reality is they have no idea that like this is literally like to your like it's not it's not technically a nonprofit, but it basically is a nonprofit in that sense, right? Um, and so I just really have a desire to educate, inspire, and give people of color a tangible way to be able to invest, right? I've already created other businesses where, you know, I can be profitable. I'm not as concerned about that with that mission. Now, the beauty of it is when you serve, when you lead with serving, it ultimately will be profitable, not just from a financial standpoint, but from a variety of other ways, because I decided to take that risk to serve under an underserved space, right? So naturally, probably three years from now, uh, it'll be one of the most profitable things that I do. But right now, its primary purpose is to have to productize what it, what black wealth is supposed to look like, right? If I can, if I can give you something tangible to latch, latch on to, right, that you know, okay, this is what black wealth is supposed to look like, feel like, then that's going to give you the runway and the confidence to be able to pursue it. And that was my whole. That's my. If I could sum it up, my goal with Melanin Money is to productize the intangible essence of what black wealth is. That's powerful. When I say when I guys say we got some heat on the way, I'm, so you, I've been hearing you say it, and you're like, but I can't tell y'all yet. But it's something coming. I'm like, what is it? I, I, I can give an exclusive. Yeah. I can give an exclusive for the episode. So it's a couple things, right? All right. So one of the big things is this, right? It's like I know I'm not called to change the psyche of the human being, right? I'm not a psychologist. That's not my call. But 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 what I can do is I can use my marketing acumen to take what people normally do as flexing, as stunning, and turn it on its head for something for the better. So one of the things that we're going to be dropping is we're going to be dropping uh, what I like to call the Investor Series, right? And so what the Investor Series is, is it's a line of merch that you cannot get unless you've invested a certain amount of money, right? So here, here's, here's the play, though. The play on that is this. When people buy Gucci, when they buy the, 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 the Bugatti, when they buy whatever it is that they buy, most people, not, unless you're really tapped into to who you are, most people are buying it because of what it says about them to other people, right? I bought this, it means I can afford that, and this is who I am. So what I'm able to do effectively is still play into that ego of, well, I was able to get this jacket because I invested 10K or whatever. But the difference is instead of blowing it on something that's useless, you actually have that money in an investment account. Building equity in what you have, basically. Exactly. Like, I mean, I mean, really, it's that, yeah, I have ownership in this, and that's why I can wear this. Not, I'm buying it because it says Gucci, and they're getting money off of me. No, I can afford to buy it because exactly. I invested. That's and and, and wow. the jacket or whatever is just a physical manifestation, right, of, of what it is, Oof. right? And so, I just have a new shirt idea, so I'm just writing it down. That's, that's one thing. Um, and then we're also launching uh, the Sleeping Bag Society. So... What the Sleeping Bag Society is, is as you know, mm. I'm a really big advocate of making money while you sleep, right? Whether it's through a side hustle in business, whether it's through investing. So we're now productizing what that feels like, right? So now, again, everything that I do going forward from a campaign perspective is just going to be a tangible path. I'm literally going to be creating every campaign is a pathway to building wealth, right? It's no longer just dope slogans. But, and it never was that, right? Because it was that, but go to the firm. But now every campaign is going to be tied to a way for you to build wealth, right? And so I'm just super excited about that. Those are just a couple of the things we got coming. So I just got uh, got some money while I slept the other day, by the way, man. Uh, I started selling. Um, I saw. So you got yeah, 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 yeah. So I was like, you know what? Let, let's go ahead and, and, and take it out. Yeah, so I got um, Corey just purchased. Uh, he purchased my first mug. Dope. So I was like, oh, that's what's up, man. I'm definitely going to grab something. I saw that. I literally saw it yesterday. I was like, okay, I'm going to grab something. I was yeah, going to wrap with you first. That's um, dope. So yeah, it was, um, but it, it, it's good to see you thinking not only about creating something, but transforming the way people are thinking. Mm -hmm. um, you've always been, been good at that, man. Doing a real good job. Real <laughs> <laughs> good job. Inside job. Uh, yeah, man. Um, so the, the title of this episode is Your Kids Are Not Your Retirement Plan. Mm -hmm. We all hear it, and I, I understand it, but I hate to hear it when especially people in our community, I'm going to make sure my kid gets to the NBA or the NFL. Mm -hmm. um, and then because they've made it, I can retire. Mm -hmm. Now, let's think about the numbers behind that, right? To be able to retire off of your child, your child has to be Kobe, Mike, Brian. <laughs> right. Like, you know, Steph Curry's parents are good. So you, you, your child really has to be there. 
it's not going to be, you know, a lot, the way people want to retire, it's not going to be off of these guys who right. play two years in the league and then own maybe a car dealership, like do something responsible possibly. Right. But your kid has to be at that level if you're going to retire off of them. Mm-hmm. For the last decade, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, because you, know, you know, my father passed. It's been it'll be it's been nine years now. Wow, time flies. It, yeah, man, it, it's tough. But I'm thinking, my father set me up to be able to go, and he didn't he didn't say I'm going to lean on y'all. He said y'all are going to make your own way. How do you think? we can transform our mindset and really set ourselves up to to get us to the next level where we're not saying I'm going to rely on my child. I want, you know, you want the best for your children, but you right. want them to be able to enjoy what they've earned. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think, honestly, we even got to go back and to say further than just like, how can I not rely on my child, but how can I set, how can I give my child a springboard, right? So mm. not, not even, not relying on, forget that, we need to, you're way past that. We need to get to the point where how, how, how can their starting point be way further than my starting point, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and I think we do that by being intentional, right? I think when we, just go, when we just go back and do the math and we say, okay, I think so many times we don't realize like building wealth is not that unattainable. You just have to sit down and you have to do the math, right? Mm-hmm. The best way to eat an elephant is one piece at a time. Now, granted, no one's really eating an elephant. That's just an analogy. But just to do the math, like, okay, all right, if I want to leave this legacy behind, what does it look like for me to do so? Or if I if I have a child, or I know I plan to have children, what can I do now incrementally to set them up so by the time they're eighteen, it's not. And when you think proactively, it's not that hard, right? The problem is we're we're way too reactive, right? The problem is yes, we know we live in a country where there's systemic oppression and all sorts of forces against us, but we the, the, the beauty of that is we know that, yeah. right? So it's like, okay, if we know that, what things can we do to counteract that proactively to, to your point, not only not lean on my kids, but more more than anything, it, let's let's let the get it out the mud generation stop with us. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's we, what we, we frown upon trust fund babies, like let's create the trust fund babies. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the biggest thing. Like you have to be legacy minded. You have to like, you can't, we, we gotta like get rid of this I'm going to exhaust everything in my lifetime mentality, right? It's like, what am I willing to do now to make sure that my child is set up for success, right? Definitely want to forget leaning on the child, right? Like, like you created them, you know what I'm saying? Like, you brought them into this world. Like, you need to make sure that they are able to transition and carry the legacy on, not have to detract from what, you know, what they're trying to build to support and prop you up, Right. And so just shifting your mindset and having a, a different expectation around well, how this game is supposed to look. They're supposed to be inheriting wealth from you, not the other way around. So setting up a quick example, right? Say you got 30-year-old, okay. no kids, yeah. um, nothing really saved, sure. has a partner that they plan on doing life with. Mm-hmm. Um, and they say they're making the same. So $100,000 a year coming into the household. Okay. What first steps do they need to be taking? First steps they want to what they want to take is they want to get crystal clear on where they are right now, right? Because um, a lot of times we look at that number hundred thousand it seems so big. Um, we really want to look at like where where are we, right? Like what's actually happening and how does that translate to the life that we want, right? Then you want to start to quantify exactly what does the life you want mean in terms of dollars and cents, right? Because once you do that, then you can start to make it tangible. Um, and so some practical steps you can do is maybe sit down with that significant other and again, have, I think I just did a podcast. Yeah, it's like, that was a great episode. Yeah, yeah, great yeah, episode. Appreciate that. <laughs> um, and just review your finances, right? Like, where are you right now? Like, you know, what, what are your wildest money goals? Like, what is it that you want to accomplish? What does life look like? Get clear on those things. And then from there, create a tactical plan and just to, to get there. And I think tactical, all that means is, okay, if we've identified that we want to be able to be financially independent at 45 and we want to be able to take uh, two international trips a year and we want to be able to drive like you can start to quantify you can put dollars and cents to that stuff and then when you put the dollars and cents to it you can reverse engineer okay well based on where I'm at today like what are what are the things I need to do to achieve that and I think that's the that's the key the key is like you cannot improve what you don't measure right so you have to sit down identify where you're going and then that way you can create a measuring stick 
for where you're trying to go. So many people are just winging it. So many people are like, oh, well, they're not saying it out loud, but they're saying it like subconsciously. I'm not going to be like my parents. I'm gonna have, I'm, I live in this generation where I, I'm on the internet and I can make money doing this. I can make money doing that. Blah, blah, blah. But then you got to ask yourself, what am I doing that's so radically different than my parents to validate these claims, right? There's evidence and there's emotion, right? You're emotional about what you think you're going to be able to accomplish, but where's the evidence, right? You got you to gotta sit down and, ha- and map that out. Like one of the things I did this year, as a matter of fact, I think just like everybody else, gained a little bit of quarantine weight at the beginning of the quarantine. And I'm probably one, as you know, dear, I've always been into fitness, one of the you know more fitter people in our crew. But I had to ask myself, I was like, there was three things that I had to do to reframe my mindset on where I, on getting back to where I wanted to get to. I'm down 20 pounds since then. And um, it was three, it was three pivotal things, right? Number one was, and this is this is a very tactical takeaway. You want to have massive, massive self-awareness, right? And it's something I said on a recent episode of my podcast as well. So let's take let's take the weight example for example for 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 an example, but we can go back to money. Like in our in our generation, people will filter their pictures, you know, angle themselves, all sorts of stuff, right? But if you really want to change, you got to have massive awareness about where you are right now. So go look in the mirror without sucking in. Right. Look yourself in there like, and, and see where you're at because that's, that's going to give you a measuring stick on where you need to go. But if you're in de- denial or delusion about where you are, you're not going to be able to get there. So finance is the same thing. Log in and check your credit score. Check that savings account. Check those 401ks. Check the... All right, now how does that measure up on what I, where I thought I would be at this point, right? How does that measure up on if I say I want to be financially independent by this time based upon where I'm at, am I on pace to get there? You can Google it now, right? There's literally calculators, financial independence calculators, right? If I want to be financially independent, this is the number I would have to have. This is what I got right now. You can do the math. Operating with evidence and not emotion. You see what I'm saying? And, that, and that's just what it is. So number one, it's massive self-awareness. Next thing is something you touched on. Massive accountability right it's like you have to have a system of accountability that's that's and believe it or not that system of accountability could be in your household especially if you're married you said a couple right sometimes there's in most relationships there's one spouse who's typically more inclined to manage the finances than others right so the the, the kicker though is that person could be dropping the ball yeah. right so if you're that person and the spouse has just trusted you with like oh I know I'm pretty sure we're fine because our bills are paid and I you know whatever Tell them where you're trying to go. Hey, I know you. I'm in charge of this stuff, but this is where we're supposed to be, and I want to let you know where we're at, so that you can, so you have visibility to if we're on track or not, right? Because if you just are in this silo of, well, they don't know about money, and I'm supposed to be the one that's supposed to be managing, but quite frankly, I know that we're not where we're at. You need to have some measuring stick to make sure that y'all get there, right? So lay it on the table about where you guys are and where you want to go, so that person now can have context. To where you guys are trying, what you guys are trying to accomplish, and the last thing is massive action. I mean, we live in a, a generation where you can buy a digital course overnight, which is great, um, but you got to do something with it, right? You got to, you got to Google or if you got to buy some, like do something with the info, right? Take action. I don't care if you read one page a day, but if you, I'd rather you do that and do something with the information than to be a scholar and read all these books and, and be a lifelong learner and and not be a doer. You know what I'm saying? So just those three things will change your life. Get awareness about where you are. Find a way to be massively accountable. Whether it's, heck, I don't know, get on social media. Tell you, if you're on social media already, tell, tell the world, hey, look, on this date, this is what I'm going to do. Um, and then, again, massive action, right? Take action incrementally. I, you know, again, at the beginning of this pandemic, we're well, not beginning, in August, I, lo- I looked up, I was like, yeah, George, you're not, you don't look bad, but damn it, you don't look good either. You know what I'm saying? I look, you look, you look, you look probably better than most of your peers, but you, you don't, you ain't where you're supposed to be. And that's the beautiful Ooh. thing about self-awareness. Right. Because comparison will neutralize your passion, but paralyze your potential. Right? And I'm going to unpack what I mean by that. So, if I compare myself to someone who I believe is further along than me, without the context of their journey or their background work, then it's going to neutralize my passion for where I'm supposed to be. Right? Right? And then on top of that, it can parallel. If I compare myself to someone who maybe is a little bit further behind than me, I'm thinking, I'm, and I'm on my high horse, like, oh, I'm winning, I'm crushing it. It's going to paralyze your potential because you're only 
we've all seen the sports games when you're wondering, like, why are they playing Dallas or the competition? Why don't they just blow these jokers out, right? right? And we see where that gets. And it's the same thing in life, right? When you compare yourself to someone that's behind you, now you're paralyzing your potential. So that's why, for me, it's all about looking in the mirror, taking an honest inventory about what I know I'm personally capable of and doing that, right? And even if, I, if what I'm capable of is a lot more than someone else, that's fine. It has nothing to do with them. I'm going to do what I need to do. If what I'm capable of is a lot less than someone else, that's fine. I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. And I can live with that because I'm putting everything on the table within the realm of my control. And so I just want people to like, if you take nothing else away from this episode, like, you know you, period. And you know when you can, you got more inside of you. It doesn't matter if the family's congratulating you, like, oh, you're doing so well. They don't know what's inside of you. Right? They know you. You know that you can do more, and and I get it's a fine line between being content and being complacent. But when you know you're called to do more, you gotta show up financially, physically, spiritually, whatever. You gotta show up. Period. And that's and that's just what drives me. It's like it might seem crazy to some people that I weigh my chicken sometimes, or that I work out what I, the way I do. But when I know that I'm I'm capable of doing it and doing even more than I'm doing, which is the scary part, right? It's like People start to recognize you for what you're doing, and in your gut, you're like, "I ain't doing shit. Right. I could be going way harder." Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'm cussing the show. Oh no, nah, I, I did last week. Um, so it's cool. But yeah, and so it's like you just gotta you gotta be tapped into you. You gotta be tapped into you, and you gotta go all in on what you're capable of and what matters for your life. Because at the same token, there's gonna be some distractions that don't matter, right? They might you might see people with yachts and flying private and all this other stuff that you can do maybe if you want to, but if that's not in your plan or that's not what you care about right now also don't let those bigger flashier things distract you so just be tapped into you um, and I promise you you'll win it win it life man that, that's a sermon right there <laughs> what books do you recommend for those who want to gain a better um, understanding of finances yeah there's a uh, there's a good book um, I will teach you to be rich um, by Ray Rami I, I, I'm bad about pronouncing his name I should be better Ramit Sethi I think is how you say his name that's a good book very practical um one page financial plan the author's name is escaping me right now but I'll make sure you have it for your show notes if you want to include it cool. on the one page financial plan it's a good book um listen to my podcast okay. follow me no I'm just kidding but now nah, those are two those are two good books I recommend that would be great uh podcast podcast for financial stuff um that's a good question. Actually, you know what? I'm a, I'm gonna I'm gonna check my library right now. I don't listen to a lot of financial podcasts, believe it or not. Actually, um, there are times that I there are areas I step away from yeah. what I'm passionate about to gain more understanding about other stuff. Exactly, so, yeah, I, I definitely get yeah, that. Yeah, I'm the same way. So, for the love of money, by Chris Harder is a pretty good one. Um, if you're at the beginning of your journey looking for some really practical tips, uh, Good Financial Sense by Jeff Rose is a good one. Yours? Go ahead. Talk um, the Uncensored Podcast, oh, yeah. if you want to tap in with me. Um, yeah, and then Radical Personal Finance. He's really a really tactical podcaster and gives you some really good stuff. I'm going to uh, send you one. It's not as much about wealth building, but um, it's explaining money and how it operates in our in our mm. economy. It's called okay. Money for the Rest of Us. Oh, I think I heard of that. Okay. Jay David Stein. Barry put me onto it. Okay. Um, but yeah, I'll shoot you the, the link real quick. No, I appreciate that. Yeah. I hate when I say I'm going to do something, then, you know, it gets Forget better. Yeah. I, I've changed the way I operate in that way. I, um, it, if I tell somebody I'm gonna pray for him on the phone, guess what? Right after I get off, hey, let me go ahead and do this. Because right. how you know how often do we just forget? Slip through the cracks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. You know, the video just said the, the road to hell is paved with good, good intentions. Exactly. Um, so what, what you know? You talked about the investor series. Um, talked about you know sleep bag sleeping bag society. Yeah. What's next for you? What's next for me? Man, that's a great question. You know, God laughs um, at our plans, but yeah, you, yeah. you can write it. Yeah, no, for sure. I, the good news is I have an answer for you. Um, so I became, as you know, because you've known me since college, um, I became, and it's funny how things like pan out before they pan out. Like I was a treasurer in college. Right. For, um, I became a financial advisor at the end of 2010. And early in my career, I knew I wanted to have a bigger impact. Right. This is before Instagram. I think I just got on Twitter. Uh, I knew I wanted to have a big impact. I didn't know what that was going to look like, but I knew I wanted to have a big impact, right? And um, when I became an advisor, I knew that from a capacity standpoint, there's only so many people I could I could personally serve, um, which is why I started creating content. I was like, well, at least this could help people in some way. 
was like, man, I just wish there was a way I could be with people and, you know, on the go, be with them, almost like an advisor in their pocket. And then, boom, pocket advisor was the idea that came to mind. Original idea was sold in my heart, 2013. I got the voice note to prove it. And that's why I doing research on costs to develop and all that good stuff. And the world was completely different at that time. And it was going to cost me an arm and a leg that I didn't have to give uh, to be able to build what I wanted to build. And so I kind of tabled the idea, but knew at some point I would revisit it. So this December, which is next month, and I'm saying this to hold myself accountable, right? Practice what I preach. Um, I am a beta launching a Pocket Advisor, which is the, the, I'm calling it right now, the number one financial, so which will be the number one financial social network. Um, so instead of having to uh, favorite screenshot your, your favorite financial folks um, on Instagram and, and get clouded in the noise of the cesspool of things that pop up on your explore page, be mindful of what you double tap. Um, <laughs> now, I was like, what if I could create an ecosystem, a community that was just for personal finance, a literal social network? Right? What if we could have monthly money challenges? What if we could have, like the Nike Run app, we could have milestones that when you served your first, I mean, when you saved your first five, 10K or 5K, like, you know, you could be awarded for that. What if we could combine all those elements along with accountability in real time? Like, what if we could do that? I was like, you can do that, George. And so Pocket Advisor is that. And so I'm releasing that super site. A lot of work behind the scenes to, to, to bring this to life. Um, but version one of that will be live in December. Um, so super excited but when we get out I'll show you one of the promo commercials uh, it's actually I'm working on another one that, that tells the story a little bit better but I'll show it to you but yeah so that's next for me I'll be able my goal is by December 31st 2021 to have at least 5,000 paid subscribers um, to the platform um, so I'm going to run like a bat out of heck um, between now and then and I'm just really, really excited about what that platform is going to be. Um, just a financial advisor in your pocket will have a feature where you can literally send a DM, a direct message to a CFP, Certified Financial Planner, either myself or someone else, about your financial questions on the app, all for pennies on the dollar. So I'm literally taking everything that I've built, learned over the past decade, and I am brain dumping those resources into that app, me along with a handful of other financial educators. So... Super excited. That's an exclusive, right? Yeah. That's an exclusive. So super excited about that, man. That's what's next. That's going to be the, probably one of the biggest things that you see me do. Um, you'll probably see me um, less, talking about a little bit less about myself, uh, which I don't do a lot of, um, as a financial advisor. And I'm leaning more into financial coaching, financial thought leadership. And like literally, you'll be able to be like, gee, just got this $5,000 bonus from work. I mean, you message your pocket advisor, but what's, what's the best thing to do with it? Cool. Uh, actually, let's get a little bit of context. What's in savings right now? But like and The beautiful thing about this versus the apps that exist today is it's not a bot, right? And again, originally, I'm going to tell you the power of positioning. Originally, I did that because I didn't want to spend the money to, to build that algorithm, mm -hmm. right? But, I, but now I'm using it as a positioning statement to say it's actually better because you know a human is behind that message and it's not like some automated bot that's trying to give you this arbitrary advice. It's a literal human that's behind that message. They can give more context. So really excited about that, man. Um, you're gonna, I'm going to be with people everywhere they go in their pocket, um, advising them. People are going to be able to join the ecosystem of the community, subscribe to advice channels, learn about how to invest. Literally the plays that I'm making, like the plays that like I'm about to buy this at this price, y'all are going to get that from pennies on the dollar. So it's going to be huge because I'm, I could charge the money I could charge for what I'm, what I'm building is, is crazy. But like literally the play, everything that I'm, the, if I have oppor investment opportunities, like everything that, literally everything that's up here, yeah, if y'all think I do anything on social media right now, multiply that by 50. Whatever you think, you, whatever you think I give on social media about right now, multiply that by 50. Um, and that's what you're going to get on Pocket Advisor. Man, you, one thing you do a very great job of is you add value. The value that you add for free it's amazing. Yeah. So I already know this is going to be big. Right. I, wow. The, the founding member pricing, I think, is only like $24.99 a month. It's like super, bro, super cheap. I'm, I'm, when I say I'm giving y'all everything, because like my, my thing is impact, scale. So I'm like, look, I want this to be the most well-known, which is why I'm going out on the limb to say number one financial social network, mm -hmm. because the value that y'all are going to get from $24.99, uh, if you lock in early, um, is... I can't even describe it, right? Like I'm giving you, I'm gonna give you guys everything, 
every play, when to get in positions, when to get out, if that's, if that's your jam. And then also personal financial stuff. Um, man, I'm excited. I'm really excited for this. It's a lot of work, but uh, I'm super excited about it. Um, and I can also give you another exclusive. So I'm also going to be releasing uh, the stock shop um, in 20, in, excuse me, wait, what is it, November? This this month, shoot, my web, my web developer does a Doug, Doug Dizzle. The Stock Shop. So Capital Wise will be presenting what, what is affectionately called the Stock Shop. And so what this is, is I'm inviting you into an e-commerce experience to buy investments. So um, I, I know everybody knows how to shop online. Everybody knows how to go to Nike.com, add it to their cart, read the details and descriptions on what the product is, pick a size. Everyone's familiar with that. I said, now what if we can make investing that easy? What if there's a website where you could go say, okay, Number one, let me search by collection. Oh, that's a Black Lives Matter theme. What's that? Boom. So these are all the companies who have made public and proven declarations to support the cause of Black Lives Matter. Okay, cool. How their how their how their companies performing? Okay, George recommend. All right, bet I'm gonna add those three to my cart so that I can align my values with my with my investments. Boom. Check out. That sends a trigger to Capital Wise, and then they'll then send me an invitation of my account to be able to fund it. So the stock shop is also opening um, this year as well. Two things I've never said publicly, so this is an exclusive on, on the podcast. My man, I, I am uh, I'm excited to have it on the on the podcast as well as to support. So yeah, uh, accountability. Accountability. I'm saying it because I'm making. I'm forced to make it happen. And, and accountability. You know, you owe me one if I if I don't do what I got to do and, and jump on board. So, absolutely, absolutely. There we go. So so those those are the two two big things um, that that we got coming. So last few questions, right? Mm-hmm. Nothing related to to finance on this. Sure. Stranded on a desert island for life. Yeah. You got everything you need. You can choose a lifetime supply of wine or whiskey. Which wine or whiskey are you choosing? So, like, a, a brand specific. Wow, that's a phenomenal question. Um, definitely, believe it or not, wine. Mm-hmm. Um, and the brand, you know how someone, someone doesn't ask you something? You know it off the top of your head, and as soon as they ask you, 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 you can't remember what it is. Mm-hmm. Gosh, what is that brand? I'm, I'm going to be, if you give me 45 seconds, I'm going to be able to tell you what it is. 45 seconds later. My wife loves it. I bet I know what it is. I what, what is it? Is it, it Stella Rosa? Bruh. So, I'm going to send you a picture. Stella Rosa was created by two brothers. You lying. Nope. Not, 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 not brothers. Oh, okay. Okay. So, created by two brothers. Um, this is the story that I heard about it. Yeah. They split up the business. Mm-hmm. So one of them created something similar. That's another brand. I had that at uh, at Barry's wedding. I was best man at yeah. his wedding a little while ago. And tastes very similar. I'll send you the brand name. Okay. Because it also is pretty pretty solid. I actually had it on the podcast a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Stella Rosa, man, it's solid. Solid, man. And we've had every, we've had so many variations of it. And it was all, all of them were good in terms of like the different flavor profiles. So yeah. Stella, definitely Stella Rosa, smooth. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would have to choose that. Oh yeah, and my thing is, I'm not big on sweet wines, and it's not too sweet. It's just right just that I compare it with a lot of different foods. Like, I, yeah, it's a good, good choice. I know, cause man, I just I feel like based on personalities, I can I can kind of start to guess people. Okay, mm, yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of wines in the world. Yeah. So the fact that you're able to predict that, yeah, you're you're, you're a man who know who knows his people and his and his spirits. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, now, how can people keep up with all you have going on? So. Yeah. Instagram, Twitter, where, where, where are we following you? Yeah, you know what? I, I like I like the, I like IG. Um, y'all can follow me on IG. Uh, after December, you can follow me on Pocket Advisor. Um, that's where I'm at. Yeah. That's where I'm at. Uh, I got hacked. I was I mean not hacked, but I've been what's, what do you call it? Catfish. At least eight times. And so, I said, you know what? I wasn't even gonna lean into the social networking aspect, mm-hmm. which is how God works, right? I was. It was gonna be accountability, financial game, you know, chats, group, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then I said. I'm so sick of this happening to me. I want to control the narrative. I did something about it, and I created a financial social network. So that's what Pocket Advisor is. I'm super excited about it. I think when we get offline, I'll show you some kind of some visuals, mock-ups. Um, I'll, show, I'll show you the promo video or whatever, but yeah, I'm super excited about it. So find me, anyways, find me today on Instagram, George Atchampong Jr. Um, other than that, tap in with my podcast, leave a review. Uh, I'll prioritize that. I'll reach out to you personally and say what's up or shout you out on the show. And um, 
Yeah, check out, check out my website. I don't promote this site a lot, but it's an easy like home base to just know everything I have going on. GeorgeAshenPong.com. Right? I don't. I've never talked about it really, but that's like I, I did it for me. Like I'm gonna tell you a quick business hack if I got the time. Thirty seconds. But well, you got it. Business hack. The reason why I created my first digital product, which is believe it or not, actually back in 2014, I created it because I got tired of answering the same question over and over again. So I said, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna just jot down stuff that people ask me. And it become my it become my FAQ library, and then that turned into something that I can sell, right? So someone act, and that also gives you context to what people believe you can have you have insight to. If someone's always asking you something, right? Your best bet is to save yourself time in the beginning and just go ahead and document it so you can send them a quick link, send them a PDF, whatever. And then over time, it does two things: it reveals and determines that that you're an authority on that topic, and then number two, something that you can ultimately bundle and sell, right? So, um, so yeah, that's a quick business hack. But anyways, I don't even know why I brought that up. More of the story is follow me on georgeachenpong.com, um, Instagram. You can tell I've been drinking a lot. I think this, this whiskey is getting to me. Hey, but it's solid though, right? It's like, solid though. That's a, that's a, it's a good one. Yeah, um, so I, that, that's where I live. I'm not bougie. I will respond to your DM. Um, I might not see it immediately, but I will respond. Yeah. And um, last question. If you could leave the people with one piece of advice... Financial or otherwise, what would it be? Man, uh, time, not time advice, that's, that's kind of stunning on people. Um, I would say who you serve does not have to be who pays you. Hey, that's a good mic drop right there. Yeah. My man, I appreciate you. My guy. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning in today. As always, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Narrow Podcast. That's N-A-R-R-O-W podcast additionally we love reviews constructive criticism feedback and any topics you'd like to hear in the future thank you for your support catch you again next week same time same place peace the narratives over wine and whiskey podcast is a subsidiary of daniel's development and branding llc here for all of your fundraising creative direction and storytelling needs